How many of you know God's a good God? I tell you what, I was telling Sister Ann before church, I wrestled with the sermon for tonight all afternoon. I um, had a sermon that I thought I was going to preach. And uh, I, I, I dreamt Saturday night, I, I mentioned this last night, Saturday night I had a dream, and I dreamed last night's sermon, and I dreamed three other sermons in one night. And uh, don't get excited, it was, you know, dreams, you can pack a lot of time into dreams, so don't think it's four short sermons. And I, and I had thought, you ever, you ever have God tell you something and think something? You, know, you 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 think you hear from God and you think, oh, I know, I I know what's going to happen, I know how this is going to work, and I thought that God had given me four sermons: Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. That made sense to me. So I got up today and I began to look at the Monday night sermon, and I read the scripture. And then I read it in another book, and I read it in another book. Read it in Mark, read it in Matthew, read it in Luke, and went, uh, uh. So then I began to scour through the scriptures, and God opened up another passage to me. And I went, yeah, that, yeah. And then I thought, no. No, that doesn't, hear what I say here, that doesn't preach the message I want. That doesn't share the message I want. And I went back to what was supposed to be the Monday night message, and I got a message out of it. Shut the computer. Sat there for, you can ask best. sat there for maybe five minutes and went, huh. picked the computer back up and went back to the sermon that didn't convey the message that I wanted, but conveyed the message that God wanted. Now, let me tell you something. We need to understand in everything that we do and as we walk as a church into this revival season, I don't know how long this is going to last. I know what I think. I know what I think. I'll be honest with you. I just spent a few minutes talking to Sister Ann and going, this is what's worrying me. This is what concerns me about this revival. This is what I'm seeing, and we gotta get we it's gotta be more than this. But then Sister Ann and Crystal both made some statements and reminded me it's not my revival. It's not my revival. It doesn't have to look like I think it needs to look. And, and, and so I am going to, I, I, I already today, I went back to the message God had sort of showed me this, after, this morning. And, and that's where I'm going to preach. It wasn't where I wanted to be. It, I, I, I'm not going to tell you I'm preaching under protest. But it ain't where I wanted to be. But I do believe it's where God wants us to be. I do believe it's where God wants us to be. And and so I want you to open your Bibles with me. Amen. Mark chapter 4. Going to read one verse of Scripture. 
in verse number 41, and it says this. It says, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they ask each other? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your anointing, for your peace, and for your mercy. And Lord, I thank you for your direction. Lord, it's not my revival. It's not my sermon. It's not my decision. It's not my idea of what needs to happen. Lord, I come to you right now, and I give you complete control. Lord, my faith is in you, and I trust you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated tonight. I do want to let you know that I had an opportunity this afternoon to talk to Brother Curtis Silcox, and he sends his greetings and blessings to you. I told him, I called him, and I said, uh, I just want to tell you how much I admire you. And he said, well, thank you. I said, I've been preaching revival for a week, and now we're starting into the second week. And you do this all the time, and I'm exhausted after a week, and I'm exhausted after eight days. I'm wore out. And he said, he told me, he said, he said, that's good for you to get wore out somewhere. He said, wait till you're my age, and you're still doing it. And uh, he's preaching revival in Mississippi tonight. And uh, he was on his way and uh, was fighting traffic, but I, w- I believe that he'll make it in time for church. He said as long as he could make good time, he could get there as long as they let worship go a little long. Uh, but um, but I, I, I began today as I began to read this scripture. I began to see some things that affect me. I don't necessarily, like I say, I didn't necessarily want to preach it, but it affects me. Have you ever had a storm? Have you ever had a bad day? Have you ever had a bad day that turned into a bad week? It turned into a bad month? It turned into a bad year? It turned into a bad decade? Now, now I haven't had a bad decade. I've had bad years. I've had a lot of bad days. I've had a I've had more than I can count of bad minutes and bad moments. But I want to talk tonight about being revived in the middle of your storm. Being revived in the middle of your storm. I can make you a promise tonight. I would call this a prophecy, making me a prophet, because you know a prophecy by their by 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 how it comes out, right? But I wouldn't count this as a prophecy because it's too common. Here is my promise. You will have a storm. You will have a storm. Somebody's going to get mad at you. You're going to get mad at somebody. Somebody is going to hurt you or you are going to hurt somebody. 
You're going to have a time when you may face a physical storm, an emotional storm, a financial storm, a spiritual storm, a relational storm, or you may get a hurricane that has all five of them at one time. They're not fun. They're not enjoyable. It's not stuff we go, oh, I'm in a storm. You have storms that rise up, and then you come talk to people like your crazy pastor, Pastor Tommy. Remember, I'm Evangelist Tommy tonight. You talk to your crazy pastor, Pastor Tommy, and you go, it's just so hard. And he says, God's got this. God's got this. Or even worse, you bring yourself and you lay out all the pain and all the hurt and he looks you square in the eye and says, suck it up, buttercup. Few of you have heard those words before. God's got this. Wish Brian and Anna was here. I'd say the one I started with them. You can't help somebody you're trying to kill. No, you, but you, when we're all trying to kill, we're trying to help. We're not, we don't want to kill. Boy, he's like, no, this has been about you more than it's been to you. <laughs> Let me tell you something. We, we've got to understand we're going to have hard times. But every time we have a challenge, every time a storm rises up over the horizon, God sends his power to bring a revival to revive us in the middle of our storm. I saw this morning a post on Facebook from... Many of you know her, Abigail Hughes. Shay Hughes was the state youth director of, of Missouri several years ago, back before I moved here. They went through some hard times. They went through some difficulty. And, and several years back now, four or five years ago, about five years ago, I guess, they wound up in a situation where they were no longer state youth directors, but they didn't have a place. They didn't have a church. They didn't have a place. And Sister Abigail had posted on Facebook today, and she said that as she was going through, as their their family was going through this time, they felt like they were going to lose it all. And they got invited to a church. I found this sort of funny. The church told them, said, why don't you come preach Sunday, and we'll talk about Monday. Boy, that sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Doesn't that strike a chord? He went and preached that Sunday and did not want to preach, tried to get out of preaching, told the pastor, I am too low, I am too hurt, I'm in too much pain. And the pastor told him, said, in your hurt is where you can you let God use you. That Sunday morning, we'll talk about Monday, turned into 13 weeks. A few 
few months later, they became pastors of a good church. In July, last July, this time last year, Shay Hughes accepted the appointment to be the state overseer of the state of Arizona in five years from thinking everything was gone to being a state bishop in five years. It's a great testimony, but here's what fired me up, and I really didn't connect the post to the sermon until just a few minutes ago. Here's what fired me up. Is Abigail said, I'm assuming it's Abigail because she was writing about Shay. So Abigail says this. Abigail said, I don't know if the revival helped that church. In 13 weeks, I don't know if we helped the church at all. But I know this. It saved our lives. Here's what she was saying. I don't know if anybody else got anything out of it, but God sent a revival in the middle of our storm that changed our life. Let me tell you something, church. I don't know who's going to be touched by this revival, but I can tell you I've already been touched by this revival. I've already been encouraged by this revival. I can tell you that somebody here tonight is in the middle of a storm. And God's about to send you a revival in the middle of a situation you don't even can't even see your way out of. You can't even imagine life without the trial. You can't imagine life without the struggle. But our God came by tonight to tell you, I'm going to revive you in the middle of your storm. How does he revive us in the middle of our storm? Well, first of all, we got to understand how we got there. Here's the first thing that I see. You go back to verse number 35. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Verse 36 says, so they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. So the first thing I noticed is that they followed Jesus. Some of you think, some of you think that you can't have any storms if you're following Jesus. You need to read your Bible. Jane, uh, 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 Mark here is writing Peter is telling Mark the stories of Christ's ministry. And Mark writes down, Jesus told them, let's go to the other side of the lake. So they gathered together and said, okay, Jesus, get in the boat. We're going to do what you told us to do. We're going to get you there. Jesus was a better leader than I am. I'm going to get to that later. Remind me to come back to that, Sarah. Uh, Um. They said, we're going to take you to the other side of the lake. We're going to get you where you need to be. We're going to do what you said. I got news for you. Sometimes when you do what God tells you, you're going to wind up in a storm. Sometimes when you do what God has told you to do, you're going to wind up in a storm. Why would we wind up in a storm? This is what James says. Count it all joy to fall into diverse temptations. 
because we know that it builds perseverance and it builds patience. And when patience has completed its work, we are mature and lacking nothing. When we, if we're sat. If we're satisfied being immature Christians, then we don't need any storms. But if we want to be mature, if we want to be lacking nothing, if we want the power of God in our life, then we've got to look for and long for storms. They said, we're doing what you said. Oh, I would have made a slide for it, but I just saw it a second ago. They left the crowd behind. It quit being about the crowd. You know what I'm trying to say? They were doing everything right. They wasn't trying to show off. They weren't trying to be big wigs. They weren't trying to be somebody else. Oh, when I was talking to Brother Curtis today, he's, I was telling him about the revival, and he said, what's your middle name? I said, Lee, he goes, oh, TL, you better watch out. And I said, oh, I can't say that to my church. I've already preached too much about wanting to be TL Lowry, wanting to be somebody I'm not. I can't use that name around here. Let me tell you something. When we leave the crowd behind, when we follow what God is doing, when we follow what he wants, we think everything's going to be easy, but I got news for you. That's when we're set up for a storm. Somewhere in life, we need to start looking for storms. Now, I know Crystal can understand where I'm coming from. Crystal's got to do it. I've always wanted to do it. One of my dreams, if I had a bucket list, I don't actually have one. If I had one, it'd be 15 pages long because every time I think something, I go, oh, that'd be on my bucket list. But one of the things that would be on my bucket list is to go storm chasing. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Oh, man, I, I hear sirens going off, and that means go get on the porch. I I love I I I man my my I raised my boys the same way. Sirens going off, people are running in the middle of the house, and me and the boys are going out on the porch, going, "Somebody grab a chair, Dad! Bring me a soda." I, I, I want to go chase them now. I'm telling you, if what a storm means is that I get to see God's deliverance, bring me a storm. See, I told you a while ago that everybody was going to have some storms. Somebody was in here going, oh, I'm putting up a wall. I, I, I'm a number one. I got news for you. Send me a storm because on the other side of the storm, I'm going to have some power. On the other side of the storm, I'm going to have a story. On the other side of the storm, I'm going to have a testimony. When you start following Jesus, you may get some storms, but I got a good news for you. You're going to get a testimony too. They were following Jesus. They left the crowds. They got in the boat. However, 
Verse 37 in the New Living Translation says something that I've never really thought about before. It says, but. I've never thought about that word before. I hear Pastor Tommy does a lot with that word. It says, but a fierce storm came up. In the middle of doing what was right, in the middle of making the right decisions, in the middle of following the right people, doing everything right, but, but changes everything. Boy, somebody watches my videos. I want God to be a but in my life. That's what I say every day. Let me tell you something. That word but, the reason I find it so interesting is it changes the direction of what you're doing. Brother Mark told the story of Heart of Worship. He told the story of worshiping God with worship. And all of a sudden, don't worry about it, boys. It'll be all right. It's just water. All of a sudden, he talked about not being about getting the attention. Not being about, even though worship is about giving our best to God, it's not about being the best. Okay? Can I tell you what happens to a lot of us when we start following Jesus? And we start leaving the crowds. All of a sudden, it becomes about our obedience and not about our Savior. It becomes about our sacrifice and not our Savior. All of a sudden, we begin to make statements like, I left it all for Jesus. Oh, I've laid it all down for Jesus. Did you see that movie? Oh, no, I don't see movies like that because I left it all for Jesus. Pretty soon, it has become about what we did for him instead of realizing what he did for us. Sometimes, even when we're following him, God has to allow a change of direction. I was following him, but in the middle of it, a fierce storm came up, and I began to understand I can't follow him that way. He's got to pull me. I can't follow in places that he needs to deliver me to. Church, we become proud of our ability to follow. We have become proud of our ability to obey. And God is saying, listen, I need you to understand that I just want you in my hand. Obedience is part of it, yes. I'm not saying we don't be obedient no more than heart of worship is saying we don't sing songs. I'm not saying we don't sacrifice. I'm saying that it's got to be about the deliverer and not our action. The fierce storm comes up to change our focus. Instead of being, look how faithful I am, it becomes, God, you've got to help me get through this. Can I tell you, you you will never achieve 
the things that God wants you to achieve until you get to a place that you can't achieve what God wants you to achieve? Let me break that down. I got a few people going. You can never do what God wants you to do until you can't do what God wants you to do. It has to be bigger than you. It has to be bolder than you. It has to be more powerful than you. If I can do it, it doesn't take God. I got up this morning, and I got out of bed, and God didn't have to pick me up out of bed. I knew how to do that. Thankfully, for your sake, I took a shower. I put on deodorant twice, once this morning and once before church. You know what? God didn't have to put deodorant on me. I knew how to push the button myself. It's a spray. That deodorant's the stuff you put. We'll get you a can. Uh, Get a little nervous. He starts asking how to use it. I, I don't know. All of a sudden, this morning, I got I started this to get to one place I went a thousand other. I put my shoes on this morning and I tied my shoes. That is a trait that I was taught. I was taught how to tie my shoe. And and, and I I tied my my own shoes. God didn't have to tie my shoes for me. Because somebody taught me to do that. I'm afraid that we got too many people that have been tying their own spiritual shoes because somebody taught them how to tie shoes. They taught them how to pray this prayer and that prayer and this prayer. But we don't have no relationship. We don't have no trust in God. Instead, we go one situation to another that we can handle. And if we can't handle it, then it's time to change churches. Told you, Pastor Evangelist, Pastor Evangelist Tommy. Evangelist Tommy is meaner than Pastor Tommy. Let me tell you something. When a fierce storm comes up, it's when we got to put our faith in Christ. But they didn't. The Bible says they became frantic. Now, I'm going to tell you. I want to be a storm chaser in a van. An armored van would be even better. A tank would be even better. That would be an awesome pastor appreciation gift. Just saying. Um, I hear Pastor Tommy's got a birthday coming up in a couple weeks. Just, just saying. Just, you know. Thank you, Evangelist Tommy. You're welcome, Pastor Tommy. No, I'm not schizophrenic at all. (laughs) Sorry, let me get back. They began to get nervous. I'm telling you, I want to chase storms in an armored car, but don't put me in a boat and let a storm come up. And I'm going to tell you right now, 
Don't put me in an airplane and let us. I've been there too. Don't put me back in there again. No, no, that's not fun. Except unless I could have Sarah in the plane with me. Now that would be fun. If I could just, Sarah and Helen, one on either side, just watching them. Nice little turbulence. That'd be great. Anyway, um, we, we, we want, we're okay chasing storms until it gets scary. But let me tell you something. The people that are scared of this storm are fishermen. They're, they're on the water all the time. Most of you know my oldest son suffers his life away on a cruise ship. Poor, poor Anthony. Last year he was on a cruise ship. I forget the name of it. It was, in, it was sailing out of uh, New Orleans. And Hurricane Michael came up through the Gulf. Anthony wasn't worried about Hurricane Michael. He had lived with Hurricane Michael his whole life. Roomed with him for a long time. But that hurricane came up. And I kept calling in. I kept sending him a message. You okay? Everything all right? He sends me a message. He says, this is really cool. I said, what? He said, we did a show in a Category 1 hurricane. Said, Everybody got through the show okay, and we are heroes in the company because we did a show in a Category 1 hurricane. He said, now, if anybody had gotten hurt, we'd have all gotten fired because we were supposed to call the show. He said, but we did it. And he was excited about that hurricane. It was just another day at a wild sea. But now these fishermen, this storm is fierce enough that it's went beyond what they can handle. It's went beyond what they can control. The Bible says that the wind was blowing, the waves are crashing, and water was filling up the boat. Now, I don't live on a boat. I don't own a boat. But I have a good understanding that if there's water inside the boat, you're in trouble. I I got a pretty good idea you don't want that to happen. Some of us today feel spiritual wind blowing, see spiritual waves crashing in, and spiritually we're taking on water. All of a sudden it feels like everything is working against us. The wind is beating us, the waves are rocking us, and the water, the pressure is pushing us down. The weight of the storm, that's what makes the water dangerous, is the water changes the weight and pushes us down. The weight begins to push us down. I got good news. Jesus was there. But he was asleep in the boat. They're fighting, they're struggling, and then they realize Jesus is right here with us. But they looked around, where's Jesus at? Everybody's panicking, everybody's having trouble, everybody's scared. Where's Jesus? He's over asleep. Can I tell you, your storm's not big enough if Jesus can sleep through it? 
your storm doesn't need to be worried about if Jesus can sleep through it? Jesus is asleep in the boat. They come. Jesus! Don't you care that we're about to die? Can I expound on that just a little bit? Don't you care that we have left our businesses to follow you and now we're going to die? Don't you care that we've left our families to follow you and now we're going to die? Don't you care that we left the crowd to follow you and now we're going to die? Don't you care that we're trying to take care of you and this is how you repay us? How many of us have made the same comments to God? God, don't you know what I've given to you? Maybe we don't do it that way. Maybe instead we face a hard time and we go, God, I don't understand. I've been faithful. Maybe we face a hard time. We say, God, I don't understand. Why is this happening to me? I've always done, tried to be such a good person. God, I don't understand why they're hurting me. I've never hurt anybody. Number one, when you say that, you need to get on your knees and pray because you're lying. Sorry. We all hurt people. That means that you at least, at the least, have a spirit of righteousness about you. You need to get cast out. Self-righteousness, I should say. Let me tell you something. They went to Jesus and said, you don't care about us. You don't care what happens to us. You don't care what's going on in our life. It doesn't matter to you that we've laid everything on the line for you and now we're going to die. Now we're going to die out here in the middle of the sea and nobody's going to know what we've done. Nobody's going to understand. That's evangelist. I'm just tired. Sort of. Let me tell you something. Look at the rest of the story. Before we get to the crucifixion, James and John, two of the men that were on this boat, their mother came to Jesus and said, can my sons have the right and the left side of you on Peter stepped up and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Most High God, and then proceeded to tell Jesus what he needed to do. He took upon himself authority. James and John wanted position. Peter took on authority. When they all gathered together, Peter had been reinstated. The disciples are all together with Jesus. And Jesus begins to talk to them just before he's ascended. And they said, is now the time you're going to set up your kingdom and we're going to have power? When you look at the rest of the story, you understand that in the middle of that stormy night, they were worried about dying, but more importantly, they were worried about dying without authority. They were worried about dying without position. They were, they were still concerned with how does this look? 
How do people think of us? How do people view us? Right now, they look like a bunch of crazy people. James and John's dad had a business and was about to hand them the keys to the kingdom. And they walked away from it. Peter and Andrew owned their own business. They went out, and the day Jesus found them, they had the biggest catch of their career. And they left it on the side of the lake to spoil and went off and followed Jesus. Right now, Jesus has healed a few people, cast out a few demons, but nothing major has happened. And if we die now, we die unheard of. Don't you care? Don't you care about us? Don't you care that we're going to die for you? Let me tell you something, church. When you're worried about dying for the one that has come to die for you, you got your vision backwards. When you're worrying about what you've given up for Jesus, when Jesus has given it all up for you, you want to talk about what you sacrificed? Let me tell you what he sacrificed. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but stepped away from his throne in heaven and took on the form of a man and, and, and committed himself even to death, even the death of the cross. You want to know what Jesus gave up? He gave up a throne. He gave up heaven. He gave up, he gave up perfection so that he could come and live as a man. Yes, he lived as a man perfectly. But he had to go through pain and heartache. Don't you ever think that because God was perfection, he didn't have pain. He got tired. Read the Bible over and over again. He went off to have rest. He grieved. He cried over Lazarus, his friend. And every time they punched him and spit on him and hit him with a whip and drove nine-inch nails in his hands and in his feet and plucked out his beard, he felt it. And you say you don't care about what I'm doing for you. You don't care about me. Jesus was there. But he was asleep. He didn't seem to care. It didn't seem to matter. It didn't seem, it didn't seem important. But then he woke up. Verse 39, when Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silent, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. At the word of Jesus, the wind stopped. When Jesus woke up, he brought a revival in the middle of their storm. Oh, I've preached this passage before. I've talked about how I believe, you know, I grew up hearing Jesus, peace, 
And I don't really believe that's the way it was. I believe he was asleep. He was trying to rest. He wasn't worried about the storm. Mm. I know I've mentioned this before. Let me go back there again. He wasn't worried about the storm. If he ain't worried about your storm, don't worry about your storm. Oh, but you don't understand. No, what you don't understand is Jesus is not worried. There's nothing to worry about. What I wanted to come back to a while ago, you didn't remind me. Well, when Jesus got in that boat, he said, let's go to the other side. He knew that he was going to get to the other side. And Jesus did trust his disciples. He got in the boat and he went to sleep. And it was his disciples' responsibility to get him there. That's why Jesus is a better leader than I am. Because I'll, I'll tell people, here, get us there. And then I'll go, now, did you do this? Now, have you done that? Have, 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 have you done? See, sometimes you just got to go to sleep. But when you get to that place that you finally learn that you can go to sleep, and then they come yelling, you don't care. When you wake up from that sleep, you don't wake up going, oh. No, you wake up, what is wrong with them? Don't they understand who is on the boat? Don't they understand who I am? And I believe Jesus got up and he woke up from that sleep. And I believe he stepped to the edge of that boat and he said, Peace! Be still. I believe he spoke to the wind and the waves with authority and with strength. He was saying to them, listen, you need to understand there's nothing to worry about as long as I'm here. If you've learned anything about me, Jesus is saying, you need to understand I was not sent here to die in a boat wreck. I was not sent here to die at sea. I have a purpose. Curtis Silcox says on many occasions, he travels all over the world. I have seen the man's passport. It is amazing. It's huge. And somebody asked him one time, doesn't it ever scare you? And he's been on some planes. When first time I went to China with him, we got on some plane, and I looked at it, and I promise you, I could still see the Braneth logos on it. Braneth was an airline when I was a child that went out of business. And I'm in China, and these planes still have Braneth logos on them, and I'm going, that thing's got to be 30 years old. If it was the newest ones they had. And I've seen, even in my little bit of travel, I've seen planes shake and rattle. And Curtis has told me some stories. I was getting on a plane and there was livestock in the cabin. Okay? Some weird flights. And we ask him, don't you ever get afraid? And he, that's what he tells me every time. He said, God, 
has put a purpose on my life, and my purpose is not to die in a plane crash. He said, it doesn't matter if a plane goes down. He said, I'm going to walk away until my purpose. It doesn't matter what happens until God's done with me. I'm going to be okay. Let me tell you something, church. When we've got Jesus in the boat, when we've got Jesus in the boat, he's got the authority to stop the storm anytime he wants. At his word, at his word, Jesus just says the word and the storm is gone. Not, this just blew me away this morning. Not only did the wind stop blowing. See, some of, some of you would just be happy if God would let the wind stop. If God would just let it just, oh, okay. It's just a light rain now. It's a gentle breeze now. When God spoke, the wind stopped and there was a great calm. When God revives you in the middle of your storm, he doesn't make it better, he makes it go away. He doesn't just give you a reprieve, he gives you a deliverance. Some of us have become satisfied with reprieves and feeling better instead of deliverance and healing. We've become satisfied that we feel a little better instead of being healed. We become satisfied that we can feel a little Holy Ghost excitement and we can shout around for a minute and that'll give us the strength to go back and handle the storm. I got news for you. I serve a God that can calm the storm. There was a great calm. And then he asked them. And then Jesus spoke to them. He had spoke to the wind. He had spoke to the storm. And then he spoke to them. And he said, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you afraid? Why are you still worried about the storms in your life? Why are you afraid of the wind? Why are you afraid of the, of the circumstances? Why are you afraid of the challenges? Why are you afraid of the attacks? Why are you afraid of the opinions of others? Why are you afraid of what somebody said to you? Why are you afraid of the circumstances you're going through? Why are you afraid of the pain you have in your body? Why are you afraid of the trials that you're facing? Why are you afraid of the people that are mad at you? Why are you afraid of the people that are over you? Why are are you afraid of your boss? Why are you afraid of your pastor? Why are you afraid of your husband or your wife? Do you still have no faith? Oh, I can just send you back to this verse. Every time you think Pastor Tommy's mean, just go read that. That was Jesus. In the Set the scene. In the middle of thinking they were going to die, 
A moment ago, they were crying to Jesus that he didn't care about them. They they believed that death was at their doorstep. It was a trying time. It was emotional time. It was scary time. And Jesus' response was not, it's okay, I'm here. Jesus didn't wake up and say, it'll be all right, I'm here now, and you don't have to worry about it. See, that's the Jesus we want. We want the Jesus that comes in the middle of our storm and says, oh, it's all right. We want Jesus to say, I got this. Not a big deal. But in the middle of them thinking they were about to die, in the middle of the fear and the hurt and the tears that grown men were crying, when Jesus finally turns to them and begins to speak, he says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? These disciples, they had seen enough in him to leave everything they had to follow him. They had seen demonics healed. By this time, they had already seen a cot lowered down from a roof. And Jesus forgive the man's sins, and he gets up and walks. Peter, who is not named here, but I know he was there. Peter had seen his own mother-in-law land on his own couch in his own house. And God came in and healed her. He followed Jesus anyway. Some of you get that in a second. Jesus came in and healed her. And she got up and made him breakfast. Yet, when it wasn't somebody else on the line, when it wasn't somebody else in the hard time, when it wasn't somebody else fighting off a demon, they began to be afraid and scared. And when Jesus turns around, he says to them, not I'm with you, not let me give you peace. He says, what's wrong with you? Do you why are you still afraid? Do you still have no faith. You know what he's saying to the church today? You know what he's saying to Souls Harbor today? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why is there more complaints that come out of your mouth than praises? Do you still have no faith? Why do you whine about your situation more than you praise me for your deliverance? Do you still have no faith? Why are you waiting for somebody to come coddle? Why are you waiting for somebody to come coddle your feelings instead of getting on your knees and praising God? We live in a generation, we live in a nation where everybody wants to get their feelings hurt. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? That offends me, brother. That's because you have no faith. You're just being mean. No, you have no faith. Now, let me put the twist on. Because every one of us in this room, if we'll be honest, we can think of a time when fear has overshadowed us and we had no faith. 
where we struggle. If we'll be honest, we can remember when we said, God, don't you care? We may not use those words, but that's what we said. Don't you care? I won't be honest. I've been there where I said, God, I don't care. God, I don't care. We've had so much fear that it's drowned us. And God's response in the middle of our storm is, why are you afraid? Do you have no, you still have no faith? Now let me, let me hit this with you. What do we call it sometimes when people get saved? We say they They've come to the faith. What do we say you have to have to get saved? You have to have faith that Jesus died, lived, died, buried, rose again. And if we have no faith, we have no salvation. Somewhere down the line, we've separated the two. Oh, I'm saved. I just don't think God can do anything. Oh, I'm saved. I just don't trust God to take care of me. Oh, I'm saved, but I'm not sure God knows how to take care of my church. Oh, I'm saved. But I got to make sure I do this my way. You've heard me talk about it many times. If you're anywhere close to me, I've encouraged you to read it. Craig Groeschel wrote a book several years ago now, probably 10 years ago now, called Christian Atheist. Tell you what, that book messed me up. Messed me up. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. But in this book, he said, we say we believe in God, but we live like he doesn't exist. Oh, I believe in prayer. But I don't know if it works. Oh, I'll go pray. I'm a Christian. We believe in prayer. But you've got to do more than pray. I believe in holiness for other people. But I want to do what I want to do. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Can I tell you what he's actually doing? The second question answers the first. Why are you afraid? Because you still have no faith. Fear is anti-faith. Fear is faith that the worst can happen. It's believing that everything's going to fall apart. Faith is believing that tomorrow can be better than today. The only people that can have faith, the only people that can have hope is Christians. You know why? Because we are the only ones that can have enough faith to say that tomorrow can be better than today. Because even if I die tonight, tomorrow is going to be better than today. If I'm not a believer, tomorrow is not going to be better than today if I die. 
If Jesus blows the trumpet tonight, tomorrow will be better than today because I'm going to be celebrating at the marriage supper of the Lamb and I can eat anything I want, won't get fat. Hallelujah. I got news for you. We're not in heaven yet. And we've got to start walking into a situation where we have faith. Relationship. But pastor, you just said we're going to have trouble. Yeah, we are. That doesn't mean anything. Because now when we face a storm, we're going to be in that armored truck that I'm going to be in with her friend here at some point. Speaking in faith. When, 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 when the storm comes, we know who's with us. You know what I say often? When things look really bad and people could be scared. You know, aren't you scared? I'm going, well, if I die, I'm going to heaven. If I die, I'm going to heaven. I think it scares me more sometimes that I might not die. I got to stay here. Say something. We've got to have enough faith to understand that emotionally, God's going to bring us through. That physically, God's going to bring us through. That financially, God's going to bring us through. That relationally, God's going to bring us through. Oh, man. Praise God. God, that some of the relationships I prayed for didn't work. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's enough to shout about. Especially now that we got Facebook, I can go back and see some of them. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Say something. God will bring you through. Young people, you're going to go through some relationships and you're going to cry. And you tough guys, you will too one of these days. Have a relationship, I mean. You'll, you'll, and, and you might. God can still do miracles. <laughs> and, but let me tell you something. It's going to hurt. But every time you go through a relationship that doesn't work and it hurts your heart and it hurts your mind and you cry about it, I want you to stop and realize it's going to bring you through. And for every relationship that falls apart, it's because he's got a better one waiting in the room. Now, we can sit around as adults and say, hey, man, that's right. But let me tell you something. Every time you got to doctor's report that tells you something you didn't want to hear. You hang on because God's got something for you. Every time the bank statement comes in or you get that stupid, don't you? Probably nobody in this church understands this. Me. Get that stupid card in the mail from the bank. See, I'd rather them send me a letter. They send me a card. When I get a card, usually it says, you have overdrafted your account. Now, I know none of you have ever gotten any of those letters or cards that say you've overdrafted an account. I have. 
and there ain't nothing worse than overdrafting your account, except maybe going up to buy a hamburger at McDonald's and you put your debit card in there and it says, declined. It's $3. But you know what? God will bring you through it. God will bring you through it. But not only will God bring you through your physical storms, your financial storms, your relational storms, bring you your spiritual storms. You've been serving God very long at all. You found that 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 maybe it was a week, maybe it was a month. That just never forget when when I gave myself to God at sixteen. I ran around the church like I was talking about last week or whenever it was. I preached so many sermons lately. I don't even know what I said. And and and, and God, God provided for me. Oh man, I was on fire. I mean, I was like sitting on the edge of my seat. Can you preach longer? And about six or eight weeks after the night, I'd run the. I found myself sitting on the pew. Preacher was preaching the fire. There was no fire in my heart. I was there in body, but I wasn't there in spirit. And when I realized what I was doing, I said, God, have I backslidden? Have I lost you? And God said, hold on. I'll bring you through the storm. I'll bring you through the dry storm. I will send you a revival in the middle of the storm. I'm going to tell you this revival comes in the middle of a storm in our church. Attendance is down. Finances is down. We've had struggles. We've had difficulties. And God said, let me send you something. Let me let you understand you're not by yourself. The church is not going under because the power of God is still on the boat. Jesus is still in the room and we need to quit being afraid. You gotta have faith. You gotta have faith. Let me go one step further. Understanding that everyone in this room is a minister. Everyone in this room, you're a child of God. You're called to be a minister. God will bring you through the storms in your ministry. Those times where you feel like you have no effect where you feel like you're not even wanted. This is what I've always done, and now nobody wants me to do it. When you feel like that when you try your hardest, you know you're not giving anything of value. God says, hold on. I'm going to bring you through your storm. Quit being afraid. 
and trust me. He wants to revive you through your storm. Some of you here tonight are in a storm. It's physical, it's emotional, it's financial, it's spiritual, it's relational. Some of you are here, and you're in so many storms right now, you don't even know which one you're in. It feels like every time you turn around, there's another attack. There's another thing happening, another. And once in a while, you get a little glimpse of light, but then it feels like it just all closes back in. I got news for you tonight. God wants to speak peace into your life. He wants not just to give you a reprieve, but to give you a deliverance. He wants to take you further than I feel better. And he wants to give you a great calm. All you've got to do is faith. Oh, pastor, I've prayed before, but if you'll think about some of those prayers, you've prayed, God, don't you care? God, I need you! God, I need you! You've got to do something now! Oh, I had a situation last Friday. Something happened. God, you you better take care of this. I I, I was angry. I was angry at myself. I I was oh, and it happened at like four o'clock. Or I had to be at church at seven o'clock. This morning, I was able to deal with the situation. When I sat down with the person that was working with us to deal with the situation, I said, is there any way this is going to be okay? I'm looking, everything's fine. go running to God say God I need you I need you I need God understands that but where are we going to grow up enough go to God and say God I just need your peace I need your peace I, I need you to I need you Lord why don't you get up and drive the boat for a while let me go sleep let me go sleep on the cushion Lord, give me peace. Speak into my life. That's what takes faith. Speak the peace into my life. You may be here and you're going through a storm. You don't know how you're going to make it through. God says, I've come to revive you in the middle of your storm. I don't understand what God's doing. I really don't. Telling Ann. And I, I want to see people coming in saved. And I want, and God keeps giving me church people. But until we have enough faith to get through the storm, 
We can't guide anybody else through it. Got to clean us up. He's got to come in and purify us. God just showed me. He took three and a half years with 12 people. Took three and a half years. Not just one time saying, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? But multiple times. How long will I put up with you? Read through, read through the Bible. Over and over, Jesus says, how long before you understand? Tell you something. God, I don't care how long it takes to clean us up. I don't care how long it takes to bring us through our storm. If we've, if we've got to go through our storms to win them. I know I'm supposed to close, but I, 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 I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta go somewhere with this. Jesus has disciples on the boat with him. And they think they're going to die. He says, peace be still, challenges their faith. Then he gets off the boat, and a man with 2,000 demons comes running up to him. And he sets him free. The inhabitants of that land, the Gerasenes, said, leave. You scare us. He gets back in the same boat, goes back across the lake again. When he gets off there, he meets, he meets Potiphar. Or not Potiphar, excuse me, Jairus. He meets Jairus, who says, my daughter's sick. He says, I'll go with you. Woman with an issue of blood comes and touches the hem of his garment. She's healed after 12 years of, of sickness. He gets to Jairus' house and he talks. So he goes into the room of the little girl who's laying dead. They they've already told him it's too late. He goes in and says, "Talitha kum," and she rises up. All of it to show twelve men what faith really can do. You couldn't have the demonic at Gadara without the faith of the storm. You can't have the woman with the issue of blood's healing without the faith of the storm. You can't have the little girl's resurrection without the faith of the storm. See, what I was going to preach tonight, and I don't know, I may preach it tomorrow night, was going to be about the demonic Gadara. The next night was going to be about the one with the issue of blood. The next night was going to be about Jairus' daughter. But God said, you got to have this. You got to have faith in the storm before you get to see the victory on the land. You got to have faith in your storm before you see victory in your land. We want to win our city. We better get faith in our storm. 
And if we're just going through the motions, we don't have faith in our story. We need a revival in our story. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor Tommy, I'm in a storm. I don't care what kind of storm it is. I don't care if it's a big storm or a little storm. I don't care if it's physical, emotional, financial, relational, uh, uh, however. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's just, I just don't feel right. I'm having a storm. I don't feel right. Am I the only one that ever went weeks and months with a thing in the pit of your stomach? Just something's not right. I, what, what is that thing that just, uh, I knew what it was. It's the same thing I get when the roller coaster tops the hill. It's fear. And I live with it for a month. Live with it for a month. I, I, I don't know what. If you're in a storm, get out of your seat as I pray. And I want you to come. Stand, kneel, however you want to do it. I'm going to come and I'm going to pray with you. And I believe God is about to send you a revival in your storm. God, I, I'm going to tell you. You're waiting for me to come and talk to you through your problem. I ain't going to do that. I, God just told me what to pray over everybody. Peace. Be still. You got to believe. You got to trust. You got to believe. If you're in a storm. I want you to come to these altars right now. Dear Heavenly Father. Lord, I I open these altars, and Lord, I know people are afraid. I know that there are people that are afraid to get into these altars. They're afraid of how God may, what God may do. They're they're afraid that somebody will think worse of them. That somebody will think there's a something wrong with them. But Lord Jesus, I pray that you would get them over their 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 self righteousness, get them over their piousness, and Lord, let get them hungry enough to see you bring victory in their storm that they quit trying to live a lie and instead they come up and they say I want more I need God's peace I need God's victory Lord too many are still afraid they still have no faith and Lord I pray that you would give them the courage and the the ability to get up out of their seat and say I need God I need you to reach down and speak peace into my life Lord, right now, let them come. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Some of you still sitting in your seat, you need to be up here and you know it.